0: I would tell my 10 or 11-year-old self that she's really delightful and that she's worthy of being loved and kept safe and protected, that she shouldn't have to question that, and that she's okay, and that she'll be okay, and things will be okay, despite what it looks like.
1: I'm AC Brown, and you're listening to Is My Aura on Straight, a podcast designed to help you start living from your core instead of your conditioning. Each week, we'll have deep conversations that will help you create a powerful transformation that shifts your perspective in life, love, and business, with topics ranging from spiritual self development, human design, astrology, metaphysics and everything in between so you are a communications expert uh you're so many
2: things first of all <laughs> thank you for coming <laughs> here
1: amber.
2: to the podcast yes, of course let Happy. me just give a backstory amber's my friend <laughs> and i love her dearly but one thing that i always come to amber with after we established a friendship, is communication. Because you are a speaker, an author, you're a great communicator, and you communicate in a way that is just so effective. And for me, it has always just been really refreshing to have someone to lean into and lean on and say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. How do I convey this to X, Y, and Z or to this person? What do I need to? Because as we all know, you know, sometimes emotions get involved and you got to take a beat
1: and sometimes <laughs> you
2: don't take a beat and you're just like, I want to say this. I want to <laughs> no, exactly. do all the things, you know? And so you always like, well, hold on, take a breath, <laughs> and then you know, take a breath and then do this. So how did you learn how to communicate so effectively?
0: Well, I think it's a combination of things. I believe it to be my natural God-given gift. I remember being a child and completing the sentences of adults. They'd be talking and I'd be like, oh, you mean this? And I'd be able to just fill in the blanks for them. And I think a lot of people just attributed that to me being smart. I was a bookworm. I really love to read. I was a quiet, relatively shy child. My mother used to say that I wasn't chatty, but when I had something to say, you needed to pay attention, (laughs) which is so interesting because I, I really am chatty. But as a child, I wasn't as much. So I think being really deliberate in my communication is just the way that I'm made. And then in terms of the skill, I was a communication studies major in college. I took a class and my teacher was like, Amber, you're really good at this. (laughs) Did you, did you know that? And I was like, I mean, you know, I gave my Issa speech (laughs) back in the Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church, but I, you know, I didn't know that there was a whole major and a career and a field that you could enter into until she tapped me on my shoulder about it. And I, switched my major from liberal studies to communication studies. And I think that was probably the best choice of my, one of the best choices of my adult life because it gave me a path really to understand myself
2: a little Mm -hmm. bit better.
0: And I've been doing it literally ever since in terms of like crafting it into a profession.
2: No, that's amazing. And you've worked with people, public figures, Mm -hmm. to help them craft their message and to help them communicate better. And Spirit's asking me to bring this up. What do you think is the biggest disconnect with social media and who people are and connecting to their audience?
0: Mm, Well, we don't have time (laughs) to talk about all of my thoughts and feelings about that. But I think my initial thought is my personal challenge with social media and what in its current form is the hyper performative nature of it. Mm. Every the, everybody has a tripod set up somewhere recording something, trying to convince us that they're just like casually washing their dishes or whatever. It's like we, you have a whole tripod set up in your kitchen. And the way we're all just like going about these normal activities, recording ourselves, it just feels that nothing is sacred anymore mm. and that our lives have literally become content. And I don't know if I love that (laughs) about where we are in social media. And I will say I'm not fully excluding myself from that. I use social media, but I'm also very deliberate about kind of touching back to your question. What you see is what you get with me on social, the way that people experience me on social is equivalent to how they experience me offline. And I think that people find that refreshing, that they can tell that I'm just a genuine person that is sharing my life, not necessarily Mm -hmm. documenting my life for content.
1: Mm, 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 mm.
2: That, I mean, (laughs) well, by the time this airs, I've already have released me documenting my life because I was called to do it. So I'm doing it. And it's funny that you say that because when people meet me in person, they are very shocked. Mm. And that's something that I'm working on this year, but it has to include me showing up in that way, social media wise, more authentic in a way. And not saying that I'm not authentic, but people have very different reviews when they meet me in person. And I'm trying to bridge the two, and it's a challenge, just because yeah. of my background and who I am and where I come from, and all of that. What mm-hmm. do you understand the difference to be meaning? How do how? Is I'm better in person. <laughs> That's what it is. I get I'm better in person. That's I get that all the time. Like. Mm-hmm. You were just, wow, I wasn't expecting this. And I was just like, really? they're like, yeah, you're just amazing. Or you just have the light and all of this. I was like, well, damn, Mm -hmm. what am I doing on (laughs)
0: social media? You're really serious. I think about your work and I think you take it seriously. And I think that you recognize that there aren't a lot of people that look like you that do the work that you do. So it's like, if I'm going to show up, I want people to know this ain't for play play. Like I'm serious. (laughs) don't come over here you know don't play in my face yes exactly so I think that that could be
2: it's like helper AC yes versus just AC AC I
1: can see that
2: and so it's not a problem it's just I'm working on that I'm working on that bringing more of my unique authentic personality to the forefront the silly side the giggle Belly laugh side because I think yeah. it's important for people to see. And so, when we talk about bridging those gaps of what you are thinking versus what you're saying,
1: mm-hmm.
2: how do you think that people can have a more authentic voice, not just with social media, but just in their lives? Because I know, as me being a only child and being shy growing up and having a lot of big personalities around me,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I made a choice at a young age to not necessarily silence myself or as that clip of Oprah goes around or were you silenced like, <laughs> <laughs> right what was I silent so I was silenced but I made a choice to silence myself mm-hmm. because everybody's voice was so loud and how can we show up more authentic? with our voices in our day-to-day lives? What do you think are some things that people can start doing? Because it's challenging.
0: Yeah, it is. And I I always say that the best gift that we can give ourselves is the gift of self-awareness. So first I would say, you got to know yourself. You have to know who you are or be on the quest of finding that out, which is ever going because we're ever evolving beings. But I think if we don't take the time to learn who we are, then we struggle to find the language to explain to people, this is who I am. This is what it's like to be in relationship with me personally or professionally. This is what I need. This is what I don't like, what I do like. Like, We don't have the language because we don't know. That's what I love about personality assessments, what I love about human design and all of these different tools because they give us the language to be able to say, oh, this is why I do X and Y thing. So now I can communicate that to you and we can meet in the middle. And so I think we go through our lives not ever really taking the time to fully self-assess and to you know, be self-aware, but it's worth it. It's worth doing that. And that to me informs everything then. Because when you're thinking about speaking up about your needs at work, you got that coworker that just won't leave you alone and gets on your nerves, but you struggle to establish that boundary. It's because people are so afraid of having difficult conversations. And I think that a lot of the language stuff and the communication related things come from, I, I tell my clients or people when I'm speaking, who put your voice on mute? Like who put the mute, Mm. who pressed the mute button on your voice? Whose voice do you hear on the inside that told you to be quiet, shut up, you talk too much? Was it your your mama, your granny, (laughs) Mm. a teacher, maybe a classmate, an old partner Mm. who told you that you were too much or that what you had to say didn't matter? And when we think about it in that way, then I'm able to say, well, the remote control is in your hand for you to turn the volume mm. back up. But until you go back to that moment to really think about who who did put my voice on you or, or is it me?
2: Right. Is it me who did it? Right.
0: And then that helps you think about the fact that, again, the voice itself, just even in the sound of it, how it can how we can learn to just speak up and to speak what our truths are. But we can't do that if we don't sit with ourselves long enough to really know ourselves.
2: That's so true. And that just that goes back to I hated the sound of my voice for mm. such a long time. The sound of my voice. And it was more for because I used to get a lot of compliments from, you know, creepy old men like, girl, <laughs> you got a nice foot. And it was like, mm. I'm 15. Like, yeah. <laughs> gross. <laughs> <laughs> And as I started getting into college and I still would get compliments you know in the dating realm of me dating guys would be like I love your voice I love talking to you mm-hmm. and then I was like well maybe maybe my voice ain't so bad maybe you know and that took a long time and so now mm-hmm. I get a compliment about my voice every single day mm-hmm. and it's just like oh thank you and the way that I want to use my voice in the world has gotten stronger And I'm more committed to people hearing my voice, which is good. And just some little backstory Amber is an emotional generator to five. (laughs) So, you know, her whole life is about responding and acting. And I always tell generators you want to make sure you ask really good questions and Mm -hmm. you have a whole line of (laughs) cards. That's really good questions, which is your can we talk cards, which I absolutely love them. And they are so spot on. They are just so amazing. We're going to get into communication, especially with another person. Mm -hmm. What do you think blocks people from saying how they feel? Fear of rejection
0: or fear of judgment. It's literally one of the two most often. Mm -hmm. Um, If I say how I really feel, if I say what I'm really thinking, how are they going to respond? Or what are they going to think about me if I say this? Or sometimes it's even control. What if they don't do what I want them to do? Mm. <laughs> After <Try>. I <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? It, 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 it's a variety of different things. So maybe it's not just one of those two things, but I think most often it comes down to those two things. Are they going to judge me? Or are they going to reject me for me being vulnerable? And then that's the, there's a fear of vulnerability too. If I tell you, hey, Uh, In our conversation the other day, it really hurt my feelings when you said X, Y, and Z. That means I got to take ownership of how your comment made me feel. And then now I have a responsibility to share that with
1: you. But I'm
0: doing that because I value the relationship. And that's the other thing too. People who are willing to have hard conversations, they do that because they value the relationship. Because if Mm -hmm. I just didn't care, I wouldn't say nothing. I would just That's why I think people ghosting people is a thing because I would rather not say anything than to be accountable for my role in this scenario or to be able to say to you hey, I thought I liked you. I didn't like you as much as I thought. But I don't like you that much. Or it's just not, we're just not a man. Whatever it is. I mean, it's easy to equate that to romantic scenarios, but that's also just something that I've seen across the board in my experience is that people are really afraid of having difficult conversations because they don't know how to do that and do it tactfully and or still preserve the relationship dynamic without Feeling like it's going to be battered or damaged and, and people can't handle that. And it's like, okay, but oh, sure, <laughs> I'll give you that. But <laughs> Delivery is a thing too. Delivery is a thing. And that's why those little phrases like that matter. So then if for the blunt person who does just like to deliver the truth, it's like, well, can you be more thoughtful in how you deliver the truth? And. Yeah, there's a lot of layers to that. But I think that that's my answer to your question that most often, though, people are afraid of saying how they really feel because we in some way, shape or form, a lot of people struggle with vulnerability.
2: Mm. And what are some ways that you can be more vulnerable in your conversations, especially in romantic scenarios? Mm. That's the hardest for people, I would say.
0: It is. But I think it kind of goes back to self first. So there's such thing as interpersonal communication and intra communication. Intra communication is communication with the self; it's internal. Mm -hmm. And inter interpersonal is communication with others, with people with whom we are in relationship with. But the most important relationship that we're going to have is the relationship with ourselves. (laughs) It's the one that endures despite them all. (laughs)
1: All of it. So that's
0: kind of the thought behind the "Can We Talk?" cards. Is I want. People to see them as an activity to strengthen their communication skills, to practice asking questions, being a good listener, offering thoughtful responses. It's like a whole cycle. The communication process is a cycle. And I don't think we spend enough time really thinking about how we're showing up communicatively. So then maybe I sit with the cards and I journal. Or I record voice notes for a journal just to get my thoughts out, to hear myself talk Mm -hmm. so that I can get acquainted with my voice a little bit more so I don't tell everybody how much I hate it like we were talking about earlier. And I think once you make a practice of that, then that drives our ability to connect with other people because then we've had practice with hearing ourselves say hey, this is how this thing made me feel. Like, again, like you said, we're friends, like for real, for real friends. And so you know that I think out loud. Right. And so if I have a problem or a challenge, I'm going to call you and we're just going to talk through it. And then I'll hear myself say, "Oh, this is what I need to do. Or I'll ask you, AC, what do you think I should do about this? And you'll offer your input. But I think what I'm trying to say is I know that about myself. I know that I like to think right. out loud. Right. So then that means now I can call you and say, friend, I'm having a hard time about X, Y, Z thing. Can we talk about it? And you're like, sure. Right. That's still a level of vulnerability. And then yeah. when we think about our romantic partnerships, it's the same thing. It's just like, hey, sometimes it's not always just I always say in times of chemistry and in conflict, we always mm-hmm. lean toward conflict. But sometimes even in time of chemistry, it's what comes out is you're always on your phone when you really want to say, I miss you.
2: It's right. Like I miss you. And I'd like to spend more time with you.
0: That's what we're really trying to communicate, but it comes out in another way. So maybe start there and say, I would really like to spend more time with you. When can we make that a priority?
2: Mm, which is, that's scary. It is, that's because again, yes. fear of
0: rejection. That's why, because right. we don't want somebody to be like, no, you <laughs> I ain't got time, time for you. I'm busy, whatever.
2: Child, let's.
0: But that's the only way that we can get the data that we need in order to make the right decisions about whether or not the partnership is working or it isn't.
2: And so when you're navigating the newness of whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship, how do you navigate those waters in the beginning to break that kind of vulnerability ice?
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, really being clear about your intentions with yourself again and then also with this person to say I'm dating this person or I want to get to know them for what like what is the reason is it because you want to see where it's going to go is it because you just want to enjoy dating right now is it because you want to get married is it because you're in search of friends with benefits starts back from the 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 very beginning that truthful intention from the beginning probably would help and then that informs then how we show up communicatively, because now I'm able to say, "You know, let me be upfront with you about where I'm at."
2: Yes, I'm here for
0: a good time, not a long time,
2: okay, right <laughs> And I think too, what is frustrating is that because people don't know themselves, and I'm speaking from my experience, when they don't know themselves and when they don't have self-awareness in certain areas, they start off with one thing and then it switches mid thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like oh, this is where it's going now? But because you don't know yourself, this is why this is happening, the switch up. So oh I goodness. think
0: getting in touch with what our intentions are and what our desires are is what then equips us to be able to, again, find the language to talk about it and say, you know, I I, I think you're amazing. I think you're really smart. I'm attracted to you. I enjoy your company. And I would like to see how, where that goes, or I would like to see that continue. And start the conversation from there, whatever that intention is. But You know, sometimes those scenarios aren't always set up in that way because I love what you say about the show in that your core versus your conditioning. Mm -hmm. A lot of the way that we navigate our romantic relationship dynamics are the byproduct of conditioning. They're not really... Based upon who we are as people, what our individual preferences and needs and desires are, it's a lot of what society says that this is how it should go. They call it, I think, the life escalator. You meet Mm -hmm. somebody, you date, you get married, you get the white picket fence and all of that. And I think we're starting to see less of that now. Right. As more people are getting married later and or not getting married People are just wanting something
2: different and also, too, your peace, your Correct. peace you're protecting your peace <laughs> and, and that's me. the
0: byproduct of being more <laughs> self-aware we're able yes. to say like hey this is the stuff you know, I think I can tolerate it that I can't or what have you. And the older you get, the more, again, data you have over the course of your mm-hmm. life to be able to say like, this is not really jiving for me. <laughs> this is not. And also to be able to look in the mirror and know that you you're you the problem sometimes. Right. And say, this is something I know that I need to work on. I tend to shut down in an argument or like my husband said to me in our early years, like you always have to have the last word. Now appropriate, right? Right. (laughs) You always have to have the last word. And that last word, Amber, is is like a blade. Like you're going to do your best to make sure that I feel bad or guilty or whatever. And until he called out that behavior, I did not know that I did that. And I knew exactly what he was talking about because my mother did that to me. Mm. And so relationships are like mirrors and they reveal to us some of the difficult parts of ourselves that we don't even know that we're blind to. And oh, girl, right. Ooh. So the more, but that now that this is giving me knowledge now, so now right. I have an accountability to him with this new level of self awareness of this habit and this behavior that I had communicatively even, right, to
2: change. That's fair. Look at me. That's fair. But <laughs> <laughs> that's fair at yeah. all. But that's what we say. That they're
0: hard. Relationships are hard, and they. Do they have um, fire, to be work. hard though? They or? Can be, yeah, because if you're not willing to do the work yourself on yourself. But do they have to be the word
2: hard or does it? I, I like to say that it's work. I don't think it has to be hard work.
0: Mm, let me sit with that for a second. There's no way that I can really not be biased <laughs> <laughs> about that. Given my romantic journey, it's a little bit of bold. Okay. Well let me let me also be clear and say I wholeheartedly agree with you. They do just take work, romantic or platonic, mm-hmm. they all take work. Some of that work is hard. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I think that's how we can frame it because any relationship dynamic is gonna run into its challenges because that's the nature of the human experience. But when I think about my friendships, for example, I say, oh, I want my friendships to be easy. Like that doesn't mean that we're not going to experience difficult times or life is not going to be hard. But I don't want the nature of my relationship dynamic. So when I get together with my girlfriends, I want to laugh and kiki, and have a good time, right. eat some good food or whatever. And I'm going to help you through your stuff and you're going to help me through mine, but we're not necessarily causing friction in each other's lives. Right, right, right. With our romantic relationships, the outcomes there are a little different. We want those same things, but they come at a different cost given the very shift in the nature of the dynamics. So that shifting is what can make it feel challenging because of what our romantic relationships reveal to us about ourselves and the work that we have to do on ourselves.
1: Ooh, and they reveal a lot.
0: They re- <laughs> <laughs> and none of us are exempt from those lessons.
2: They We're reveal not. a lot. And it is not, I would say, I think where I'm at right now with relationships and communicating and being more vulnerable and showing up as my most authentic self is that... It's a risk, especially in this dating phase that I'm in. It's a risk because I have not partnered yet. And it's just mm-hmm. like, hmm, I wonder who's going to be that man who's going to be like, you know what? I'm a rock with you through all of this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that because there's so many layers with me and my life and why I'm the way I am. And even though I've done all of the work and I'm still doing work. You know, the vulnerability piece is a is a sore spot just because of the way I was raised. Being vulnerable could eventually be life or death.
1: Yeah.
2: And that, you know, is something a lot of people don't know about me. They'll get to know in various things that I'm doing, but vulnerability could be life or death. And so when I'm vulnerable with people, I don't think they realize and they wouldn't how serious that is for me. Mm -hmm. because my natural way of protecting myself, I had to because of literally life or death situations.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And it's just interesting just navigating that and really trying to be open and vulnerable. So when people, I don't want to say harm me or wrong me or things end, I don't have the capacity to have them in my life anymore because you've threatened my life. And you don't realize that you threaten my life an emotional mm-hmm. level. So it's interesting. I'm I'm working through that. But I'm saying all of that to say when you are communicating on a romantic relationship or friendship relationship, that's one thing. But what about? Because I worked in the corporate Americas and tons <laughs> of people work there. Communication there can be life or death, or livelihood, or mm-hmm. and how do you communicate? your wants needs and desires in a space where you have to be there at some point in your life especially if you have a family if you're you know you're there for money you're there for insurance whatever how do you do that in a in a way that feels comfortable but also knowing that there's risk involved too
0: well my answer to that question i think i'm still learning meaning i'm learning how to explain it in a way that resonates. But my thought is when you take a job somewhere, you're entering a relationship. Mm. It starts at the same impetus, a conversation, which is the first date and an interview. Are we going to keep this going? Do you breath stink? Do I like you? Are you funny? <laughs> can you do the job? Right. Then the candidate says, yes, I can do that. We're in agreement. So then we begin that 30 60, 90 day period happens, the probationary period at work, that's when the cracks start to show. That's when they start to come over, but you got your bonnet on. Like now you're comfortable (laughs) to show them what you in (laughs) your body at work. You're seeing cracks in how things are, processes. Right. Like, Like you know, you can't be late. There's inefficiencies. Exactly. You're learning the nuance of the company, just the way you're learning the nuance of the person like, oh, he farts in this sleep or whatever, right? Like you start right, to learn right, these right, little right. things over time. And then you kind of get to decide is this really what I want or is it not? Now you've got coworkers. How do I got to deal with their personality? This person has relatives that you may or may not engage mm-hmm. with. So then it, the, the process is the same. The environments are different, though. Contextually, there are some obviously some differences there. So I'm not, you know, saying that they're absolutely identical. But what I'm getting at is that the same skills that we need to make our interpersonal relationships work, we also need them at our work work. And I feel like in the same way, what I do with my friends is I'll say if they're miserable at work, is like if this was your boyfriend or a partner, a girlfriend, and they were treating you the exact same way, would you say?
1: No. That's nope. why I'm not
2: working corporate America no more. You see?
0: And looking at it in that way and recognizing that a business relationship is just that. It's business. It's transactional. The way that I used to look at employment when I had a nine to five is this is a mutually beneficial arrangement. Right. You,
2: I'm working.
0: You payment. need a good employee who comes right. to, time, who's going to work on time. Don't give you no trouble. Who's good at what they do.
2: Right. And who, Mind their business. Don't be correct. starting nothing.
0: And I need to major And And whatever else. So similarly, then we've got to think about what is this job here to offer to me? Why am I here? And how does that impact then the way that you're showing up? Because if it's just, well, I'm just going to get my check. Then that's the energy you're going to bring. So, then if you are not open and you're not willing to connect with other people, like I just did a post the other day talking about how small talk gets on everybody's nerves and you don't want to come back to the office and people are like, oh, how was your weekend? How was the weather? How's your dog? And I'm like, I don't want to talk to you about this. Leave me alone. This could be an email. No one wants connection, it seems like anymore. need. Mm. Wow! how Wow. How am I ever going to get to know you? Because maybe I struggle with vulnerability too. And me asking you about how was the weather or how was your dog or how was your weekend is an opportunity for me to safely and more comfortably get to know you. But already you're smacking my hand away because it's a waste of your time. So those interpersonal things also play out at the job as well. So you've got to be clear about this is what I'm here to bring to this table. And this is what I would like to see back in return. And if it's going well, you continue to make those investments of your time and of the effort required to sustain the relationship dynamic. And if it's not, if it's toxic, if it's stressful, then you have to reevaluate. How does this fit into the quality of life that I want to live? Because here's what, I don't want to be miserable at work. I used to tell my students that when I was a professor, I would ask them, raise your hand if you have a job or you have a job or you want a job, which is mostly everybody, Mm -hmm. right? They would raise their hands and I would ask them, so what do you do? I'm a waitress. What do you do? Whatever. Don't you want to enjoy your shift and you want it to go by quickly when you're there? And they'll be like, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, then I would say, so do I. And here's my shift. Mm. Standing here talking to (laughs) y'all. But. What I get out of this experience, though, is also contingent upon you all, which I can't control. Right. So this is me setting a climate of connectivity in my classroom because I want to enjoy my job, too. But Part of that right. is contingent on y'all. Right. So me being able to name that and call that out in the beginning helped them to see the experience of coming to class differently. Not just, oh, I want to make my professor happy, but I want her shit to go this- by- Pleasantly experience too. right exactly. to be great for
2: both of us.
0: And then I would say if you come to class, you come on time and you come prepared, this would be the best class of your college experience. If you don't do those things, I cannot make that guarantee. Right. <sighs> and now we on the same page. Now and we we're have on a good time page. for the rest of the semester.
2: Right. And I think yourself. communicating that is mm-hmm. very important with your needs, wants, and desires. And you brought up connection because that's one of my words for the year. That's one of my five words, connection. I want to be connected and to feel connection in like all areas of my life. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you, like people don't want to be connected anymore. Would you say that they don't want to be connected or they're afraid of connection because it got ripped away from us. We are suffering from PTSD. It literally got ripped away. We Everybody was minding their business and mm-hmm. then the next day he was home. Yeah.
0: I think that that experience is the outcome of that is twofold it taught us how desperately we need connection we you, right and two how much we took it for granted before mm. so now what does that look like to reengage to be outside what does that even look like right. for you because there's this collective thing that happened to the world but we all experienced it differently
1: yeah
0: and I think that there is a yearning to be back in place and to, you know, that's why the challenge that a lot of corporations are having right now with how do you get your people back into the office?
2: Listen, my mom is like had to go back this week. She was like, this is the dumbest thing they could have done. And I was just like, why? She was like, because we're not doing any work. And she's like, I have work to do. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And she's like, this is great because you get to commune and stuff. But she's like, I'm not getting any work done.
0: That's so interesting because we learn we don't only need to be in the office for the work to get done. Obviously, it was still getting done. But what we are missing is you said the word commune, the communal aspect. If you and I share in the same office, I can say, hey, A C, you want to walk down and go get some tea. And then while we're walking down and go get that tea, we're talking and whatever, we're connecting, we're talking about the project that we're working on, whatever. And you come back to the office, I come back, we go about, do our thing, and now we go get tea on Fridays. You can't have that without people being in and there's no substitute. Now I'm a speaker. You mentioned this in the beginning. And I can do a virtual presentation. It's fine. But it's nothing like in-person. But there is nothing like it. There is nothing like in-person, like you just said. And I don't know why everybody's suddenly acting like we forgot that. Right. And we're so immune to it. Like I don't want to be around the people. You don't got to be around them every day, but right. companies' culture and community is fostered when we are together. True. So does it doesn't need to be every day. No, I don't think so. I would. I don't think that it should be Monday through Friday. But Sweet. we've got to start somewhere because
2: otherwise, I think hybrid is a good option. Yeah. But, but again, I mean, there's also there's also a, a commercial real estate crisis that is oh, on course. the verge because of happening if they don't get back people back in no, absolutely. That's right.
0: there's a, it, this is a much wider and greater conversation. Yes. But ultimately, though, I think we just both agreed that there's nothing like connection. Nothing and like sometimes that. that can only be fostered in person. So that means on a personal level, if you got somebody inviting you over to the thing, to the, I don't know, charcuterie board party or whatever, <laughs> go. Just go.
2: <laughs> Put on your mask go. and go.
0: Put on your mask and go. And, and don't honestly, be a wet blanket when you get there. Right. Because you might meet somebody or you just, we need to remember what that feels, feels like. Feels like, yeah. To have the transfer of energy that comes when it's positive, when you're with your friends, when you're gathering. I think that we're going to see an increase in conferences and things mm-hmm. again and events because people are thirsty for connection in a way that they were, again, taking for granted before and were unwilling to admit.
2: And for me, connection is so important and to have connections with multiple people, both platonic, romantic, business wise, and to just realize like, hey, I I have something to bring into this person's life or into this community. Mm-hmm. And I also want to get something really, really great too from it. And that's just the beauty of it. So what are your favorite questions to ask? I always wanted to ask you, what are your favorite questions mm-hmm. to ask?
0: I think. My all time favorite question, and I mentioned this in my TEDx talk and where the question it originated from, is what was the best part of your day? Mm. Because that applies to any situation and context. It's just thoughtful enough, but it doesn't feel intrusive. Mm. And it's such a better question than just how, was your, how day? was your day? Because everybody has to stop and think about that. Like, well, what was the best part of my day today? And for me, that's an opportunity for me to stay plugged in and engaged because now I want to know, like, as you're thinking about it and you're reflecting on it, because people always do the same thing. They repeat it back to me, like, the best part of my day. And then. Right. They
2: pause and then they think and then they try and see what it was.
0: And almost every time they smile. oh, And I love that. I love the experience of that interaction. So I think that's one of my favorite questions to ask other than how are you really doing? Mm, Listen, that.
2: Yeah, and <laughs> how, how are you really? How are you doing? really doing? And then that's when you get the the tea and the and the tears, <laughs> and uh, and the, the tea tears. and the tears. Exactly, <laughs> girl. So you get the tea and the tears.
0: Like, oh lord, I'm like, ever for lord, this happened, and
2: just yep. spilling it. But you know, it's so refreshing to have someone like you in my life because not having a voice for so long Mm. or not using my voice. I've learned to use my voice to speak the things that I want, especially when it comes to other people, because that is a challenge. Because like I said, I grew up around a lot of big personalities that overshadowed me. And what is your advice for people who are afraid to speak up in general, whether it's in love, whether it's Platonic, whether it's in your career.
1: Mm.
0: A good friend of mine said to me that sometimes it's not about giving people the benefit of the doubt, and it's more about giving them the benefit of your truth. Mm. Woo, woo! Come on, somebody. So what that means to me is you rob people of the opportunity, yes, of the benefit of your truth. That's true. By not being willing to speak up.
2: That's true. And I always say this to people too: like, don't take people's option away. Like that's, that's yes. selfish. When you yeah. take someone's options away to know the truth is selfish. Don't yeah.
0: make decisions for me. Yeah. If you Give would me the man, option. dirty dog, just say that. That's
2: right. You just tell me, to be know like, yourself enough. Worth a dollar. And it's so funny. <laughs> this is Tyra Banks. You know, she had a TV show a long, long time ago. And I call it crazy. Jackie Christie, Jackie Christie and Doug Christie were on there and Jack Christie was like, "Oh, I, I really wish that you and Chris Weber would have stayed together." Tyra Banks used to date Chris Weber, and Tyra said something that I always remember. She was like, "Well, he cheated on me, and he lied about it, and that was the problem for me. Not that he cheated, but he lied because he took my option away from me." Mm-hmm. She's like, "If he would have told me the truth, at least give me the option. Because if I stay, that's on me." If I leave, that's on me, but give me, the, don't take my option away from me. Yep. And going back to what your friend said, I think that's so important. And I'm learning that don't take people's option, but we're scared of the rejection. We're scared to be vulnerable. Yeah. And we say, well, I don't want that to happen. So we just say nothing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But when you say stuff, you honor your soul because this human experience is wild. It, it is.
0: is. wild, And to add another quick example to how that can play out, that's not just about conflict or cheating or what have you. That's what happened with my husband and I. His pursuit of me was very genuine when we were dating, but there were some elements of it that were performative. He was doing what he thought he was supposed to do mm-hmm. to get the girl. And some of those behaviors and the choices that he made were contrary to who he was as a person. Mm-hmm. So he kind of like packed up those parts of his genuine self. His true self. I won't say that I married his representative because I don't think that that's all the way true. But some of it was like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. And there's no one here to tell me that there's another way to do it. So this is what you do to get the girl. And then that's why when I always say, whoever I married on August 18, 2006, he died. like He just evaporated <laughs> into the air because it was his rep in some respects. You know, I know I just said I didn't marry his rep, but like he finally was like, oh, now I don't have to do that anymore. Where if we lived in a society where <laughs> I could just see you for who you are, and you were comfortable enough in your skin to show me who you were, mm-hmm. true and you know top down, then we can do something, and then I can make that decision. But I'm thinking that I'm marrying some different version of yourself, and now I'm looking for that version for the first decade of our marriage. Listen,
2: people do that in the dating process. They do. You think where you are dating some
0: more space to just be like, oh. This is me in all my glory, (laughs) you know, and not just to take it or leave it kind of thing, but like right, but just to give
2: me right. And I think, especially for me, like, oh my gosh, I had a perception of somebody based off of what they told me and a little bit of what they're showing. It was completely different on how they showed up. And I was just like, Oh, that's not really you, or it's not really you with me. Mm. And that was hard, but what it did was let me know, oh, you need to inquire more. You need yep. to speak up and say what you want more because there's a disconnect there. And that disconnect is is hard.
0: And circling back to what we were saying earlier about asking questions, that helps us be able to make it an exercise that feels fruitful, but not invasive to where mm-hmm. I
2: really am just I, I want to, to, know, to know right, you to get to know you
0: because it doesn't mean that I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop or I just think right, like, oh, I just want to understand I, I know I you was nothing you right wasn't whatever, I, no. <laughs> I want to understand
2: you and people in that situation that I'm referring to I felt like I didn't get a real chance to understand the person
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it was just like gosh if I could probably would have understood you this would have turned out very very differently
1: yeah but
0: because we're much more I think we're a lot of us are a lot more okay with it like you with the, yes. the Tyra and the Chris Weber thing. She could have been like, "Listen, you a ball player? You out here on the road? Right? And I know what the I know, what I know it what the is. a will slip like, up, boom, boom. but we're now, like good. you said, we don't even get to have that conversation it's because right. you don't want to be honest with yourself. Yes, and so that's what I mean. It always comes back to that. And just for the those listening, my husband and I, <laughs> we're still together. You know, <laughs> it's been a journey, but being able to now in our forties, after being together almost twenty years." Like now we can have, we can look back on that time and see like, oh, that's why that happened that mm-hmm. way. That's why I was showing up that way. So now the question is, who are you today? Right. And we continue to ask that of each other and work on getting to know each other in this season in our lives, instead of holding on to the hologram of who we used to be or who right. we thought we were from the beginning. Not the hologram. <laughs> Girl, let me tell you something. <laughs> it's like, is it an illusion? <laughs> or What is it? <laughs> that's a whole nother episode
1: honey thank you for listening to another episode of is my aura on straight this podcast was edited by adam ross if you loved this episode please make sure you subscribe and leave a comment we'd love to hear from you Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Until next time, bye-bye.